Well, let's uh, let's follow this up a little bit. Let's see where we're at with things in terms of a four-day work week because I'm still holding out hope. And joining us is the CEO of Work Time Reduction and also a research scholar. We're talking with Joe O'Connell today. Hello, Joe. Good afternoon. Pleasure to join you. So uh, how much longer do I have to wait for this, Joe? Is it coming? I think it's coming. I think the question is, how quickly is it going to get here? And how deep is the change going to happen? But there's no question that here in Canada, as well as globally, there is growing momentum. There is growing adoption behind this idea of a shorter work week. Um, If you look at major global brands like Unilever, like Medibank, Lamborghini, these organizations are in different parts of the world experimenting with reduced hour models. I led two major global trials in recent years, one in the UK with 61 companies, one here in North America with 41. And out of those 102 companies, 95% decided to stick with their shorter work week policy at the end of the trial period. We're seeing governments in Spain and Portugal Portugal and Iceland and Australia, all launching different pilot initiatives in in this area. So it's certainly something which, compared to when I first started working on this issue six years ago, it's gathered a lot of traction. And I think that there's no question that the, the direction we're heading with this is something that it may not be the norm, but it certainly will be much more normal and much more a part of our economy in the years to come. So, Joe, how would this work out over four days? Would we work more hours? I, I, like, I, I'm not really sure how this breaks down. So the models that we help organizations to adopt and the the types of work models that we're talking about in those global trials that I referenced, it's not compressing the same number of hours into fewer days. It's about genuine work time reduction. Okay. And I think that the really critical point to make here is that, you know, for a lot of people that feels counterintuitive. You know, are we going to see less work get done? Are we going to see a situation where people have to, you know, squeeze the same volume of work that they're currently doing? Doing into less time. Right. And I think it, the, the important message to, to, to point out here is the shorter work week isn't just about changing the number of hours that your people are spending at work. It's an operational excellence initiative in disguise. This is not just a perk that people, you know, have a right to the same way as they might have a right to statutory sick leave or something like that. In the organizations that have really made this a success, if you look underneath the bonnet of what's actually happening, they're using this as an incentive. They're using it as a framework to drive efficiencies, to drive innovation, focused efforts. A big part of this is about redesigning your work practices, re-engineering your processes. That's the way to make this a success. Interesting. Hey, Joe, here's a question, because obviously everything we went through with the pandemic and more remote work, that kind of thing, some business owners really have been scared of that and have not liked it because they weren't prepared to kind of adapt to the new norm at that time. So if we were to go to this kind of thing, do you think that we're going to see the same kind of backlash from business owners where they're going to say, well, we can't do that without even thinking about how to do it? I think that this is something that is not for everyone right now. Okay. Um, but I w- what I would say to business owners that might be listening is this is something which is an incredible way to attract and retain talent. In most industries now, even though this is something that is much more popular than it was a few years ago, this is still very uncommon. So if you're a business owner in the nonprofit sector and you're struggling to compete with the private sector on salary, if you're running a tech company and maybe you can't afford to pay the same as 
Google or Meta or these kinds of companies, this is something that you can offer that can really differentiate yourselves in a competitive market, can really help you to stand out. And if you position it right and if you plan it right, you can do this in a way that, you know, you really challenge and empower your people to find those productivity gains, to find those efficiencies. And you can do it in a way where your business's revenue, your output, your productivity are absolutely unharmed. When did you first get interested in this, uh, Joe? I got to ask. This goes back to what, 2018? Yeah, that's right. So you, you might be able to tell um, I'm originally from Ireland yes. um, before coming coming here to Canada. I led a research project in the public service in Ireland where we found that we had a lot of people, mostly working parents and mostly women, who were already working reduced hour schedules. So you may have heard of this. People commonly might you know, drop down to four days when they're coming back off maternity leave or mm-hmm. for work-life balance reasons, for childcare reasons. But when we started looking at the productivity data, started talking to their managers, speaking to the employees themselves, we found that often their job expectations and their responsibilities had stayed the same and they were producing the same volume of work and the same output in four days as they used to in five. So that really got me interested in this idea that, you know, in a lot of modern organizations, there's a lot of clutter in in, in the way that we work. There's a lot of opportunities to do things more efficiently. And I think this idea called Parkinson's Law, what that basically means is the idea that a task expands to fill the time available for its completion. I think you just described the kind of the four-day week last week with the with the public holiday. Yeah. Often people find that they get the same amount of work done because they have that compressed time to do it in. So this is an incentive to drive efficiencies. Now, you shifted and moved to Canada. You're in the Toronto area now. How, how different is it from Europe? And I was just over there in Sweden not long ago, and it's a completely different world in so many ways. But what about you, the adjustment from coming from Ireland to Canada and bringing these ideas with you? How has that worked out for you? Yeah, I, I actually lived in the States for a while in between before coming here. Um, and a lot of my, my friends and colleagues at home said, you know, you're moving to the world's capital of overwork to evangelize shorter work time. <laughs> the very best of luck to you with, with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the one thing that's different here when you talk about this issue to Europe and, and even Australia is it's very private sector led. Um, you know, we've seen in some of those other countries government programs, public sector programs around shorter work time. That's not really the case in North America. It is mostly being driven by companies in the private sector adopting this for some of the reasons that I mentioned, recruitment, retention. Um, But I think there's a real opportunity for Canada because I, I think that people in Canada... Certainly, by comparison to your your neighbors down south, um, they really value work-life balance, family. I think there's a a real spirit and a culture of innovation here. I think there's an opportunity for Canada really to to be leaders on on this issue when we talk about the future of work, when we talk about the impact of artificial intelligence and all that's going to bring. I'm truly convinced that tomorrow's market leaders are not going to be the organizations that prioritize working long hours, hustling harder. They're going to use technology to, to, to work smarter, to work more efficiently, and they're going to attract the, the absolute top best talent in doing so. i got to say, I'm moving closer to retirement every day. Not fast enough for some listeners, but uh, nonetheless, what kind of timetable or a window of opportunity is there for this kind of a program to step in? 
My view is that now that we've seen, you know, there's a lot more evidence out there that this is something that can work for a lot of businesses. There's a lot more social proof. I think, you know, if you're a marketing agency or you're a law firm or you're a tech company and you're looking at this, there's lots of examples of other similar organizations doing it. So I think it's inevitable in the next five to 10 years, we are going to see a growth in this. We're going to see it driven by competitive pressures in the market where, you know, organizations are doing it to give themselves an edge and then others are are maybe adopting it to to, to catch up. Um, Whether it will become the new normal, I think is very much in play and up for grabs. I do think that the debate around AI and what that's going to mean for us all has a huge part to play in that. Um, And I think, you know, we're probably headed for a future of work that's going to we're not going to have one single model like maybe we did when, when the five-day nine-to-five was the, the standard for, for the majority of folks. I think it's going to be much more fractional. I think we're going to see lots of different work types. But I think the four-day week and the shorter work week is going to play a big, big part in that. Joe, thanks for your time today. We really appreciate it. Have yourself a great weekend. You too. Take care. Good right. to talk. All right. There you go. Joe O'Connell joining us on the show right here on 630. Chad talking about a four-day work week. Yeah, by the time it gets to me, it's probably going to be too late. We'll see. Hey, but I'm thinking of you. Thinking of the listener.